Rocky, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. Again? Nothing up my sleeve. Bristol! <laughs> Wrong hat. I take a seven and a half. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. Hello and welcome to another episode of Hello Governor the Podcast. As always, I am your host, Abdullah, and with me today is a... Do you want to introduce yourself? Because I usually let the guests introduce themselves before we start <laughs> talking. Sure. This is Piot Michael, and I'm a voice actor uh, based in Los Angeles, California. Yeah, I know. Another voice actor. Woohoo! <laughs> we really are. We really are um, bringing in the big names, aren't we, <laughs> on this show? But um, we, you might know Piot from well, a lot of stuff. Yeah, he most most notably fearless leader on the Rocky and Bullwinkle show that's on Amazon, and um, a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I've been uh, recently the voice of Fritz on Where's Waldo, which is a show on Universal Kids here in the United States. But it'll be opening up internationally, uh, I believe, relatively soon. Pro- probably before 2020, or definitely in 2020, they're going to bring the um, the Where's Waldo show in. And I've done a lot of video games. I've done uh, World of Warcraft. I uh, did the Overwatch short, which was pretty big, called Honor and Glory. Um, I do voices for Family Guy. I, I do films. I do ADR, movie trailers, promos, radios. Um, I work on the Howard Stern Show, so I do a lot of impressions of American celebrities and international celebrities when they ask for it. Um, and, um, yeah, I do on-camera stuff here and there, but predominantly I do voiceover. And you were also on Matt TV, is that correct? <laughs> Yes, I was on Mad TV in 2016. They brought it back uh, for a few episodes just to try it out, see how it would do. But uh, different audience, different time, and changing the humor kind of changed the show. So it didn't didn't work as well as they thought it would. But it was a still a great experience. I did all. Um, I was the impressions guy on that show, so I did uh, did everything under prosthetic makeup and uh, got to transform. So that was fun. And you're also a stand-up comedian as well. I mean, I've done my research. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. No, I I, uh, uh, I started out in L.A. doing a lot of um, stand-up comedy to get my feet wet and jump into the uh, comedy circuit and see how things were. And then I um, evolved into doing improv comedy at the Groundlings, which is a Los Angeles-based training school. Uh, a lot of predominantly um, Saturday Night Live alumni have come out of there. Phil Hartman, John Lovitz, Jimmy Fallon, Will Ferrell, Maya Rudolph, um, and a lot of comedians uh, that you see on television and commercials uh, got their start at the Groundlings, which is uh, where they learn the fundamentals of improv and sketch comedy. And another name to that list was is also Phil Lamar as well. Yes, of course, Phil Lamar. Phil Lamar. Yes, he's uh, he's a big, big time voiceover guy and a friend of mine, and uh, really great talent. And he does a lot of uh, little shows here and there at the Groundlings. And uh, he uh, he has a show called The Black Version, where he does a, a improv improvised show with all, all black comedians on stage and really funny production. And is it is it was it kind of a weird transition going from you know com, you know comedy you know uh, stand up comedy to to voiceover? Um, not so much um, because for me I did mostly voices on stage when I would do stand up comedy. So I um 
I had mostly impressions that I would do, and uh, when voiceover uh, was happening, it it happened pretty much the same time. I was doing voiceover independently um, for web productions and friends, or just for my own uh, fancy. And um, so they were they happened pretty much the same time. Um, but the the difference is that with stand up comedy, you get an immediate reaction to what you're doing. So you've got to transform your um, your performance and your energy to match the audience. You've got to respond if something's not working. Uh, whereas in the voiceover booth, you can flub a line and then do it again or change direction, try something interesting, and then they may not uh, even use what you did. They could replace you or um, they can, uh, of course, fix it in the edit or change things. So uh, stand-up is live. Voiceover, you get to, get to experiment. But, you know, I think, you know, it helps being a stand-up comedian because you guys have to read the room, as they say. And, you know, when it comes to um, casting directors, you kind of have to read read the room there in that what they want from the character and how it, how you know, how well it translates to, to the performance. Yeah, and also that's um, sort of a, sort of a maybe more um, earlier approach. At least for me personally and, you know, several actors, when you go in, you want to please the casting director. You want to please the people working on the project. You want to please the people who, who your agents who brought you in. And so you do your best to do what you think they want. And uh, many times you will not get the part because you're trying too much and um, you might be overthinking how to perform. So when you go in. Reading the room, you can get a sense of the, uh, you know, the level, the temperature level of the casting director. If they're a little cooler or they're hot and having fun and laughing and they're there for a good time. And you can vary your uh, improv uh, and, and how much you want to contribute comedy to the uh, script and that sort of thing. But um, it, re it really depends on each project. Um, mostly I will go in and I will have an idea of what I'm looking to fulfill my experience on this potential project because if you go, you know, um, they're looking for this type of character, blah, blah, blah. Sure, you can do it. And sure, you should give that take, but you should definitely give something that um, comes from within you, you know, and much more organic and original because most of the time you will end up booking that way because it's something that uh, they weren't expecting. For example, I just did a um, – audition for a Halloween promotion and they listed in the uh, the advert I'm sorry the audition they said um, we're looking for a spooky voice uh, something like uh, Dracula so you read that immediately I know that 150 out of 200 people will be doing a Dracula voice so I'm not even going to do a Dracula voice so I did a completely different voice. So instead of doing Dracula, yes, come down to the newest tire center and get the best prices on rubber. Ah, ah, ah. I did more than something that was spookier like this and come down to the tire center and find yourself a rebate. And uh, I was lucky enough to book it. Um, but I think it, it, I did get confirmation from the casting director who said on the spot, he said, well, the reason we booked you is because you did something so completely different, but it fit the project. That's something also you have to consider is when you when you do these projects, 
you don't want to do something too wild and crazy that it doesn't work within their world. But when they offer those suggestions, it's basically the casting director, you know, giving an example of the tone of their project. You know, Dracula means goofy, uh, weird voice, and spooky. So for me, that's what I did. And so uh, getting back to your question, reading the room uh, really is something that you do to get in to understand how much um, your live performance and the way you respond to the casting director will be. But as far as your performance when you're reading the text off the script, it should be what you feel most confident with. Especially when you know you you know done you know Fearless Leader and I've wa- and I've watched you know Rocky and Bullwinkle and you know that incarnation of that show is a lot more over the top and yes. you know, Fearless, Fearless Leader and that is much more bombastic and over the top and cartoonish than he was in the original series and and you know you kind of need to be you know you kind of need to keep that in mind every time you know you 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 uh, you read the you read the lines and you, you got to keep that energy going which is hard. Yes. It's hard. It, it, it is. It's very hard. At the end of all the sessions, I would have um, I would have like a, a total workout where I'd go back into the car and um, I would uh, I would just feel drained because you're I'm essentially yelling for four hours straight, you know, with uh, the the ensemble crew and um, not that anybody else was tired as well, but um, everybody, you know, has different levels for their character and mine definitely would scream. <laughs> and, um, originally when we um, did the show, um, we did the first four episodes with a much more subtle and uh, lower energy. It wasn't as wacky. And so Fearless Leader was mimicking more of the 1960s version of Rocky and Bullwinkle, which was, oh, yes, Rocky, we're going to have to get that moose and square, and we're going to have to find a way to get them in a hurry. We have to take over the world. And we did four episodes of that because this is the way they wanted the show. Then they changed showrunners and the direction, and they they updated the script so we went back and re-recorded and it was much wackier much more over the top much more fun and i think a a great evolution of of the uh the humor from the original and i know a lot of people uh when they watch our show they go oh it's not like the original from 1960s where the humor was completely different um which is of course yes that's the that's the truth but if you get any child to sit down to watch those cartoons uh now it's a little more difficult the people who do complain about the show are older generation and that sort of thing and i'm a huge fan of the original and so um we were so concerned to make sure that uh we carried the spirit on with the character and uh honored to play such a wacky guy i could scream now but i'd probably blow out my microphone <laughs> definitely check it out here he goes uh he goes beyond 10 i go to 11 like spinal tap go to 11 no, I mean, uh, actually, when I listened to it the first time, I actually thought that was it was it sounded a lot like uh, Dwight Schultz, and I thought even Dwight Schultz was doing the role. But then I, you know, looked at the credits, <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> That's not Dwight Schultz. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, it's um, it's we all absorb everything. Dwight Schultz, and um, yeah, no, it's um, it's a uh, it's a fun thing because um, originally, you know, he's based off of the 1960s character and he's very subdued and uh, when we were recording for the first time they said we don't want him to come across like a very 
popular dictator. And I said, oh, of course, of course not. We can't do that. And then as we um, adjusted the scripts in the show and they needed more energy, they're like, come on, we've got to make it um, wilder and big. And so you have to go super cartoony. Otherwise, it be, it does sound like a certain German dictator. And that can, uh, you know, that can off put a lot of people. So we had to make sure it had a, a good balance of humor and uh, also made sure he got embarrassed a lot. Yeah, um, it, it's um, it's real interesting seeing like the evolution of these characters and how you know I mean it, it's different because it had to be different because you can't do like I mean because because you know Cold War stuff is like you know is is that even a thing anymore like you know is everyone is anyone gonna get like you know all the Cold War references that were in the original I, I don't think so like that that's right and a lot of, a lot of the humor from the original Rock and Bullwinkle was based off of politicians at the time actually and you know things that were happening it was very very topical um so that's um yeah definitely something that's hard to translate now for people so um yeah for a younger audience they definitely had to adjust you know there's the SpongeBob crowd the demographic was um i believe 7 to 11 or 12 year olds uh for this show so you know now with telephones that have you know computers and video games on them you have to adjust because the attention span is different especially considering like they don't do the shorts anymore like they don't do the dudley do right stuff anymore with, with uh, the new new right. incarnation yes and um the um they own uh it's dreamworks who owns the jay ward library so they own all the rights and um they get to um produce all of his productions so they have done peabody and sherman which is a spin-off of Rocky and Bullwinkle and that actually came you know before as a film and then they did a little series and then uh, for a long time they uh, they were trying to get incarnations of Rocky and Bullwinkle going and they never really did get anything going and um, so this was the first time that they finally created a show that came back and um, they felt that the characters were, were strong enough and rich enough that they're like we can make a 22 minute episode with just these guys you know of course there's the shorts that they can do but um, they really wanted to focus on Rocky and Bullwinkle and of course Phyllis Hida and uh, you know talking you know talking about about you know uh, over the top characters and whatnot i'm actually surprised like looking back at your at your current resume like how much range you have because i would have never pegged the guy uh well what's his name uh reinhardt's um mentor as the same guy who does the voice of uh, fearless leader on rocky and bullwinkle yeah that's baldrick from uh, yeah. uh overwatch honor and glory it's a uh... I think 2017 short that we did and Darren DePaul was or is the voice of Reinhardt and they decided to do a short and um, yeah my uh, my fascination and love of voices really began with watching Turner classic movies so I watched and mimicked a lot of older actors and uh, uh, older as in you know classic actors but also in age there um, I found um, I was really attracted to transforming my vocal cords and sounding like someone completely different from myself and uh yeah over time i just learned that i could i could tap these uh tones and uh, you know i'm sure you've interviewed many voiceover people and you've been astonished at their range it's really a magical business when you realize d bradley baker is uh you know a clone trooper in star wars but then also the voice of millions of animals in cartoons <laughs> 
Um, and so it's, uh, it's, it's the great thing that we get to do. And it's a challenge because with each one of the characters, you have to be able to convey truth in the performance. So that's the biggest challenge. I think changing your voice is, um, is something I'm very thankful to have uh, a gift of, but, uh, really you have to have to learn and work at the, uh, understanding and translating the script. But, uh, yeah, having that range is definitely fun for me. And, and that's, I think, is really important because I talked about this a lot on the show as well as, like, the best voice actors are the ones that have range, that can, you know, do creature voices and can can be like a 12-year-old or, or whatever, you know, and, and, and change change things up. Don't give the same performance, uh, you know, more, more, than, more than once, you know, like make it different. Make it stand yes, out. Yes, of course. But also, um, a lot of voices are recycled, but the characters are not. So, for example, if you watch Futurama, The Simpsons, South Park, for example, Family Guy, a lot of those guys are so talented. But if you really pay attention, you'll see that they they reach a uh, their 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 uh, they reach their peak and they'll they'll get to a certain tone and they really can't uh, can't go beyond that as far as uh, vocal um, voice goes but they can change the character and so changing the character really uh, helps give the uh, the full embodiment of the idea that it is a completely different voice when sometimes if you lay them next to each other you'll go and be like oh my god these are these are just the same the same voice I mean I think they did a joke on that on, on family guy where they had like carter pewterschmidt and dr uh, hartman come in and talk to each other and <laughs> them sounding the same right and you don't really realize it until that happens because they uh, they you know they change their character or or if <laughs> in the case of south park and maybe some family guy things yeah they literally are the same voice i mean they do that to save money but you know <laughs> right right I mean, it's, it's, you know, the robot chicken, you know, thing where, you know, every sketch has Seth Green in it because they kind of need to save money. And Seth is like the creator and, you know, he's available to do everything on that show. Yeah. And what I've learned through the years is if the performance serves the story, the comedy, that's all that matters. Because I was obsessed for a long time. I still am. But I've gotten better where I would go and like, it has to be so authentic. The voice has to be so good. The voice has has to be, ah, it has to be perfect. And that hinders your performance. And I missed out on a lot of projects because I was too focused on making the voice sound perfect. And the reality is they hire the people who perform the most authentically versus the voice or uh, accent that's uh, authentic. So sometimes that's infuriating because you'll watch a show and be like, that's not a Scottish accent. Uh, that's an Irish accent. And, you know, they hired the guy because he's a guest star from, you know, Star Trek, whatever. Um, so sometimes it really is. It's just up to the uh, production and that sort of thing. But in the end, it's it's how authentic you can serve the story. Hey, this character voiced by Patrick Warburton just sounds like Patrick Warburton. <laughs> hey, I don't appreciate that. I have the same character I use everywhere. And what's funny about him is he, um, Patrick Warburton, that's not his normal voice. That's a character he puts on, but everybody knows and associates him with that character. So he has to continue it. If you listen to Patrick Warburton, he kind of just sounds like this type of guy. He's a normal guy. But every time he's in a commercial, he's got to be this guy guy. Or if he's Buzz Lightyear of Star Command, he sounds like this guy. So, um, <laughs> but... 
But then that's also an example there of someone who doesn't have the widest range but gets a lot of work and is very well known. I mean, no, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I, I'm making a joke. I obviously, you know, adore Patrick Warburton's voice work because, because all, all his characters, while they, while they might sound the same, they're not the same because he doesn't act the same. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's the way you approach the character. And I mean, that, that's, that's another thing people fail to understand when it comes to act, you know, voice acting. It's act. You know, you can yes. use like the same voice over and over again, but you know, it's not going to mean anything if you're not acting. Well, look at Brad Pitt. He rarely does anything besides add a little accent if he's doing a specific character but in most of his movies like any hollywood star they they are usually hired for themselves um and uh it works for voiceover too it's you know you don't have to have a huge range you just have to have the ability to uh, to perform authentically to uh, the genre and the tone of what needs to be um told as far as narrative and the same thing with like american dad i mean the character of avery bullock is just basically patrick stewart but he works because it's he's he does and acts like he doesn't act like patrick stewart he's like a deranged you know sex crazed maniac you know and it's funny exactly. it works yeah of course and but people tune in and they go oh my god patrick warburton is crazy this is awesome um i'm sorry patrick stewart yeah hey <laughs> can't get us too confused that is not the way um you know i mean uh, what what's um you know moving on to my next question what was it like you know uh working on uh wander over yonder wander over yonder because i really love that show <laughs> it, it was incredible um i was uh very fortunate to be called in i think it was the third season uh, i believe season. second season okay see you you know <laughs> I, I just act and perform and then everybody else gives me uh they correct me um i came in on the second season of course of course i knew that uh and um we uh they brought me in because they knew of me and uh, my impressions and that sort of thing um and it was disney so um they uh I think, you know, usually when you sign up for a new agent, they have you meet casting directors and that sort of thing. And they had me meet with Disney and Disney asked for a general um, scope of what I could do. And so I just sat in the booth and did a bunch of voices and also did a bunch of impressions. And then um, Craig McCracken said, hey, we love this guy. Can he come in and do uh, a character for us? And uh, so I said, oh, my gosh, this is great. You know, they're basically just giving me the part based off of the general audition I did for Disney. And um, I said, well, what voice do they have in mind? I said, well, they're looking for a Jeff Bridges type voice. I said, oh, OK. So they want So, you know, Jeff Bridges is this dude, man. And, um, you know, I, I, I thought about um, ways to modulate the voice, make him a little bit more deeper or a little bit higher man and i was playing around and you know trying to keep the vibe of like oh they probably want you know jeff bridges type they don't want him to sound too much like jeff bridges i get into the booth meet craig mccracken and um they go oh no 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 we want you to sound like the dude from big lebowski we want <laughs> jeff bridges I said, all right, you guys, uh, you sure? And they said, absolutely. So I went in and I just did um, the dude from The Big Lebowski. And I'm just like, hey, Wander Man, come on. The universe is huge, man. You just got to chill out and calm down and uh, 
breathe in and out, dude. And uh, so it was, for me, it was an absolute joy and uh, super fun experience. And, uh, and they brought me back later to do Miss Myrtle. And they asked me to do a Maggie Smith type voice. So Miss Myrtle was based off of Mickey Smith. And so that was an absolute joy to work on because they, uh, they had me there just in and out. Nice, quick, fun little thing. And, of course, Keith Ferguson as Lord Hater. I got to uh, share the room with him, and he was phenomenal. Seeing him perform Lord Hater in person was just, wow, just incredible. Yeah, that, that dude is like chameleon. Like no, no, no voice sounds the same with him. He has like ridiculous range. Ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. It just it really makes me sad that show didn't last much longer than two seasons. Yes, but I do know that Craig McCracken is working on another upcoming show, so he will he'll be continuing to produce some some incredible things. So um, I think fans of Wander Over Yonder will probably love what he's making next. Yeah, because I'm you know we're waiting and you know just sitting here waiting for for the next big thing from him because he's a he's a genius. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. Yeah, there's there are a lot of talents out there that um, that really uh, do a great job, and you know, um, it's, what's great about Craig is he's he's one of the few who are fortunate enough to be the creator and showrunner of his own series, and really have his own personal voice translate into an entire show. And that really um, makes much more uh, of an interesting um, thing to see for a lot of people. And he's like one of the few guys who actually gets involved with, you know, the casting process where he's like, I want this person for this character. No one yeah, else can, I mean, play, can play Wanda except, you know, Jack McBrayer. Hey, I think there's other people that, oh, of course, Jack McBrayer. Um, yeah, well, that was the same case with me where he was just like, I love this guy. I want him to come in to Jeff Bridges. I'm like, is this legal? And like, yep. <laughs> Okay, we'll do it. I mean, you can get away with like. I mean, I think to me, like some of the best voices are bad impressions anyway. So yeah, well, I mean, that's uh, Hank Azaria on The Simpsons. That that's how he created so many characters, and that's one of the uh, secrets of voiceover. Is if you uh, if you can perform well, if you can act well, but if you've got a terrible impression in your pocket, then um, that translates to an incredible, fun original character. For me, I've had problems because they'll you know I'll I'll try that theory and it doesn't work for me because I, I'm, uh, I, I work too hard to be authentic. <laughs> so when I have to create a new character, I really have to create a new character. I mean, you know, what's, uh, I mean, I had David Kay on the show, you know, you know, uh, this year and, you know, his, his Megatron is basically like a cross between Patrick Stewart, Sean Connery and a lizard. So <laughs> yeah, know. well, that's, that's another approach is you, you have to, um, merge impressions together and that can, you know, create, for Christopher Walken, you know, classic Christopher Walken. Almost everybody can do Christopher Walken. But if we somehow made him a little bit more of a European sound and maybe made him a little more afraid, then somehow he's created a new character and there he is, this guy who's somehow different. And so you just learn to modulate and work on things and you can, you can really uh, create a whole new world just based on 
off of people you love to imitate. I mean, I think that's the fun of it. Like you think, you know, to yourself, okay, well, what would a like a drunk Alec, Alec Guinness sound like? And that's a character right there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, I mean, because that's that's the fun of it. Like you know, finding new ways to create characters out of you know out of impressions of obscure things that no one would ever think of. Like no one would ever think of, oh, you know, what would a, you know, uh, a cross between like a, you know, like you said, a Christopher Walken and an Eastern European would sound like. No one would ever think that. Right. And that's the the, the joy and fun of getting to a audition is you, you know what you're doing, but when it comes out. Um, the casting directors just hearing the finished sound. They have no idea what your approach is, and um, you get to surprise them and many times fail. But um, I've come to learn and enjoy the audition process because that's that to me is the the best part of the job is really having fun to explore and just go for it. And when you get uh, recognized and honored to uh, continue on what you made in that audition, that's the greatest gift. And sometimes you're, you know, uh, I mean, I did my research and I know you were brought in on Kung Fu Panda to ma voice match uh, Ugwe. Yes, of course, because <clears throat> when you need an old turtle who has a little bit more energy, it's probably best to hire someone young <laughs> and white. Oh, no, I didn't say that. Um <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, uh, that was a case where they said, hey, we're doing the TV series and, um, DreamWorks typically does do voice matching for their uh, established characters like Mick Wingert is the voice of Poe, the panda, and does a fabulous job uh, we uh, matching. I've had him on. Yes. He's a great guy. He's incredible and such a sweet, generous guy and a great teacher as well. And um, and he matches Jack Black so perfectly that, um, you know, when they look for other characters, like, well, we got to make sure that the uh, the characters from the film are pretty consistent with uh, what we produce for the you know TV series or streaming. And uh, so they put out a call and usually with voice matching, they are uh, indiscriminate because they don't uh, they don't um, focus on your ethnicity or your age or your background. They really just want to make sure they can find someone who sounds as authentic to the original performance. And uh, so I was very fortunate enough to uh, to do Uguay, which was uh, one of my favorite characters from Kung Fu Panda. And from there, um, the director, Charlie Adler, um, I actually uh, known him for a little bit. And he um, he was very kind and said, hey, guys, don't let this guy leave the studio. He can do a bunch more voices. And so uh, I gave him a sample of what I could do and was fortunate enough to get some additional characters onto the show. I do Wing and Wong, two hillbilly um, sounding uh, uh, warthogs on the series, which is fun and uh, a lot of other characters too. And that's the beauty of voiceover is like, you know, you, they can cut, you know, you can come in for one role, but end up voicing like a bunch of incendiary characters. Yes. And, uh, you know, sometimes that the gig is a sort of audition because they are taking a look at you and seeing how you, you work with the, you know, cast and crew. And if you, if you drive well, um, then, you know, you might be fortunate enough to be brought back or you just earn a reputation as being someone who plays well with others and is uh, fun and funny and uh, what I found is usually yeah the more uh, the more fun you have in the booth with the um, with the uh, production uh, the more likely that they'll remember you and that's a great key because this business is based off of relationships above anything else where there's so many talented people but if you're not a good person um, you're not going to be asked uh, back 
as often as someone who is just really fun to be around and might not be the greatest sounding voice, for example, but they are an incredible delight to work with. They serve the story and the script and they uh, make you laugh and make you feel good and they, they make the character come alive versus somebody who is like, well, maybe William Shatner, infamously known for uh, for having a big ego and just being a little more difficult to work with. Um, you know. Yeah, I, mean, I remember like you know people were kind of annoyed like you know there wasn't a Star Trek anniversary for whatever a couple of years ago and I'm like look if they were gonna do an anniversary special they they couldn't because Shatner's ego wouldn't allow it. I'm too busy. I have to check a new hotel. Um, Priceline. Yeah. Um. No, man, and, and that's and and another thing you mentioned is like you know if Charlie Adler, you know, a legend in the business, says that like you know points at you and says you know you. You got something everyone else is going to listen take no take take note of that yeah and it definitely humbles you because um you know you you you're you're looking at a legend who's um who's giving you props and saying hey this guy has potential and he's got skill you should pay attention to him and that's always like wow that's it, it, it just really humbles you and go like, oh my god thank you so much and now you've got to uh, you've got to um, you've got to hit the ball out of the park because if you get an opportunity like that you've got to prove yourself and that's that's something you always have to be ready for you can't just uh, hope that something happens you have to show the work and do the work and especially like you know with you know uh, Adler's style I mean he's very you know you know he's he's very uh, I mean he doesn't leave um, uh, he leaves no stone un unturned when it comes to his uh, his direction yeah. Yes, he's very uh, he's very high energy. He's very passionate. He's uh, he's he really draws people out of their comfort zone and makes you perform in a way you don't think you can or should. And when you do, and you listen back to your performance, you're like, my gosh, Charlie did that. He helped me, you know, out of my shell and prove that we're all absolutely insane. And um, yeah, he definitely uh, helped me realize that. Uh, for Rocky and Bullwinkle, he uh, I had you know worked with him before, and then um, was doing uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle, and Fearless Leader was totally unleashed energy uh, inspired by Charlie Adler. So I, I I really owe him a lot because he uh, he told me like don't hold back, you've got everything inside you, you can do it, just go for it, and uh, he was right. That must have been scary, like you know giving it your all and hoping, oh God, I hope this doesn't hurt my vocal cords. <laughs> Yeah, you've got to you've got to train yourself and pace yourself because um, you can definitely damage your vocal cords. Um, shrieking at that volume, uh, I noticed over um, over a year of consecutive episode recording, I I uh, my normal sounding voice has gotten gravelier and a little deeper, and because I can do fearless leader it's such a shrill high voice it kind of has damaged my voice a little bit not too much but i think it's to my benefit now i can do smoky advertisements yeah you're you're um you got the uh, david soboloff <laughs> bala <laughs> <laughs> not quite yet but yeah he's got he, i mean david is incredibly uh, deep voice and him and Fred Tattashore and those guys Darren DePaul they they've got the, uh, the deep pipes which is incredible because yeah, I was re-listening to some old episodes and I've had I've had you know Soboloff on and I'm damn his voice is really deep <laughs> yeah yeah it's pretty astounding uh especially when you um 
if you ever get a chance to sit next to those guys in person, the room shakes. You're like, whoa, holy crap. My dad's voice is very much like that. And uh, whenever my dad would come home, I, would, I, I wouldn't hear a word he was saying, but I could feel him in the house. The house would just shake because dad's home. Do you, do you, um, I'm curious now, do you take, uh, listen back to any of the stuff you've done? From time to time, um, I'll listen to things, um, doing a lot of commercials lately and, uh, do a lot of voice matching. So I'll listen to that. But then also you listen to yourself during ADR, uh, sessions with, uh, animation. Uh, so you will, you can't help but listen to yourself. Um, I personally, I, I'm not eager to go and like seek my voice out and be like, oh my God, I can't wait to hear what I sounded like. Oh, look at that. Um, I'm always very judgmental. And so, um, I kind of like to perform and just let the project be as it is. And then if it, you know, organically comes across, I'll listen to it and pay attention and go, oh, okay, that's cool. Or sometimes I'm pleasantly surprised. I'm like, that that was me? Oh, my God. Wow. Well, I guess that was okay. And that's the best. But um, most of the time I'll listen back and be like, oh, I should have done it this other way and that sort of thing. But that's the classic actor and uh, dealing with his uh, <laughs> ego. Yeah, because not everyone watches the stuff that they work on, you know. Like, I mean, yeah. Very, rare, very rarely. And, yeah, I mean, there, there's also, a, you know, unless you have time to sit through all of the episodes that you do and that sort of thing, it's – it's um, daunting. There's a lot of work there and a lot of time to be spent elsewhere. But uh, you know, some people, um, you know, they've got time to fiddle their toes so they listen back to themselves. Wasn't I great on that? Oh, that was awesome. I mean, it's just, I mean, I think, uh, you know, Steve Bloom pretty much admitted like he had never seen Cowboy Bebop until like last year. And I'm like, wow, it took you 20 years to, to watch that series. <laughs> Yeah, well, one of the reasons uh, that happens is because it will affect your performance because you'll watch it. And what has been serving the character for 20 years for Steve Bloom, suddenly, you know, if he watched that and was going, oh, my God, why didn't anybody tell me I'd do this when I do that? And, oh, I, I should have done it this other way. Then they say, we're bringing Cowboy Bebop back and Steve Bloom returns. And he does the voice and he's like, well, this time I'm not going to do it the way I did it before. I'm going to change it. And then the fans go, what happened? The show's different now. The character's completely changed. And, you know, sometimes that's, uh, that's a big reason why we avoid paying too much attention to our past performances. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, I would love to continue this conversation, but we're, you know, reaching the end mark now. And, you know, if there's anything you want to plug, now, now would be the time before I wrap this up. Well, let's see. I've got... Lots of big video games coming out. I can't even talk about them, but you can definitely keep in touch with me. You can go to my website. That has all the social media links. P-I-O-T-R, my first name, Piotrmichael.com, Piotrmichael.com. And that has links to all things that I've done and uh, my social media. And I'll definitely keep fans informed about upcoming projects and that sort of thing. But uh, right now, continuing recording more episodes of Where's Waldo? I'm the voice of Fritz. And um, wonderful little kids show. Um, and we'll be coming out with the season two pretty soon. So we've got um, about, I think, 20 more episodes that they're producing uh, within the next year. So that's something to look forward to. And uh, yeah, some appearances on Family Guy and, um, yeah, some big video games coming out that uh, that's going to blow people's mind. And then 
If there's fans out there who listen to The Howard Stern Show, I am on there almost every day. You can hear me doing an announcer or a parody or an impression or calling in and talking on that big radio show. So I'm definitely working and keeping steady, so very thankful. Thank you so much for taking the time off to do this, man. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.